Thank you for listening to Simple Church, where we love God, love others, and serve our world. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Tom Allen. Now, there's a very important question I want to begin with this morning, and that is, when did the, the story of the Bible begin? And most of us would say Genesis chapter 1, because that's how we got our Bibles, you see? So we'd say, well, Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth. But I will tell you, that isn't when the Bible began. The Bible began in the first century when Jesus' tomb was found to be empty. That's the beginning of the Bible. And you have to understand this statement. If Jesus had stayed dead, maybe he was born of a virgin. Maybe he lived a perfect life and died the perfect death to, to provide salvation for us. But if he had stayed dead, it's very possible we wouldn't know anything about Jesus today. We wouldn't even know he existed. And there would certainly be no church. There would be no Christianity. And there would be no B-I-B-L-E. The Bible. You see, before the resurrection, all those people that followed Jesus were running and hiding to try to save their lives from the Roman authorities and from the Pharisees who hated Jesus and had crucified him through Roman authority. They were running and hiding for their lives. But that one day, when they saw the empty tomb, and when Jesus for 40 days appeared to well over 500 people and ate with them and talked with them and met with them before he went back to be with his Father in heaven, from that moment on, when his tomb was found empty, those same people who were running for their lives were now out in the streets of Jerusalem. And they were proclaiming, he's back. Jesus is alive. And that changed everything. Because from that moment on, thousands of Jewish people professed Jesus Christ as the Savior of their lives from their sinfulness. And those people eventually were part of establishing the church. And when that happened, suddenly there was an interest in documenting the life and the teachings and the miracles and the ministry of Jesus. That's when the Bible began, right there. Because you have Matthew and Mark and Luke and John starting to write down all the things they had seen and heard and experienced with Jesus and the fact that they had seen him alive. They started writing it down. And then another guy by the name of Paul, who was raised up by God to establish churches all over the Mediterranean area there, he started writing letters to these churches to help them know how to live the way God wanted them to live. That's the beginning of the Bible. That's where it began. If that had not happened, we wouldn't have this book. We wouldn't care. We wouldn't know. But Jesus' resurrection changed everything. As Brandon said last week, 
He said, the Gentiles' encounter with the Jewish Savior fueled their interest in the Jewish scriptures. You see, the Gentiles couldn't give a hoot about uh, Jewish scripture, all that Old Testament stuff that was written by all those prophets and by Moses, and they didn't care about that stuff until they started seeing that, oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff in that Hebrew scripture that now we see is starting to happen and come alive. And they started taking a real interest in what was called the Hebrew scripture or the, the law and prophets, as Jesus would call it, or what we call today the Old Testament. So um, what we want to do is we have to understand the Jewish scripture story of history. So very briefly, I just want to tell you what it is. This is the story of history according to Jewish scripture. First of all, God is the creator. In Genesis 1, he created the heavens and the earth, okay? But then in Genesis 12, he did an amazing thing. Because he's not only the creator, he's the founder. He becomes the founder of what will ultimately become an international, multi-generational nation of people. The Israelites, the Jewish people. When God made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He was establishing a people who would be his people. And through Abraham, God birthed this nation. And that nation was supposed to obey the Lord and to be his people and to love him and to follow him. But they started doing like all of the people do over a period of time. They started disobeying, and, and so God sent them into slavery in Egypt. And then God raised up Moses and, and brought them out of Egypt, and then they went to Mount Sinai, and, and they received God's laws, and, and then God made a covenant with him. He said, you are going to be my people, and I am going to be your God. Now, what you have to understand in the story of the Bible, from the very beginning when he created Adam and Eve, he's always seeking to find a people who will love him and follow him so he can love them and bless them. That's what he wanted to do. That's why he started this whole thing. That's why he created this whole thing. We don't fully understand that until we come after the resurrection, but that's what God was doing. And then he raised up a people and he wanted them to love him and follow him and be his people. But they disobeyed and they disobeyed and they disobeyed. And, and, and so uh, he, he, he said, I want you to be a separate nation, and, and I, I have a very specific plan, because he said, through you, Israel, I want to bless the whole world. Ah, way back in Genesis, God's saying to the nation of Israel, through you, my people, and I'm your God, I want to raise up a, a, a nation that will bless the whole world. What was he talking about? Ultimately, he was talking about Jesus Christ. Because out of that foundation in Genesis chapter 12, and out of that Jewish nation, Israel, would come the seed through David and through multitudes of other Generations. That's why the genealogies in the Bible, which are so boring, yet they're so important, because they all show that this seed was running all the way through that, because through the Israelites, God was going to raise up one who would bless 
the whole world. And that's that story of Jewish scripture, Hebrew scripture. And then God said to them, he said, I will give you a land, and if you obey me, you will be blessed. But for the sake of a watching world, if you disobey me, I am going to have to punish you. And the whole history of the Jews, from Genesis through Malachi, the end of the Old Testament scriptures, the whole history is the people would obey him for a while, and then they disobey him. People obey him for a while, and they disobey him. People obey him for a while, and they disobey him. And every time they disobey him, he had to let an army come in and, 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 and defeat them, or they had to send them into slavery or send them into bondage, you know? Just amazing when you look at that story. But God had a covenant with him. And here's what's interesting. God is saying, my blessing is conditional. In other words, I will bless you if you obey me. I'll have to punish you so the world sees I can't put up with unholiness if you disobey me. But he said, my covenant with you is unconditional. In other words, Israel, you will always be my people, even though at times I'm going to have to not bless you because you disobey me. But you will always be my people because through you I've got a plan. I'm going to raise up someone at some point who's going to bless the whole world. Okay. So the Hebrews from the beginning believed there was a single God. They believed he created man and woman in his image that gave every person dignity. The, the Jews didn't worship idols or creation. They worshiped Jehovah God. They believed we are the pinnacle of God, our creator's creation. And this set them apart from all the other nations. But they started looking at all these other nations, and God said, I want to be your leader. I want to be your Lord. I want to be your provider. I want to bless you. I want to be your king. But they started looking at all these other nations, and they had kings, and they wanted a king also. And so they insisted on a king, and God gave them a king, and it brought all kinds of problems for the nation of Israel. Because anyone who has too much power in their hands will end up messing up somewhere along the line. And when the kings would disobey, God would send prophets. And the prophets came to warn and to correct the kings. And so the books of, of the prophets, things like Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, and all those other weird names, okay? Those were prophets that God sent, and he sent them with a message Obey God. Don't go off on your own way. Don't disobey. Obey God. Because God has a plan for you, Israel. God has a purpose for you. He's going to raise up a plan that will bless the world. And so the prophet books are full of rants and ravings and writings and warnings to these kings. But now here's what's interesting. Every once in a while, and you see this all through the story of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, every once in a while, there would be either in the Psalms or in some of the writings or in some of the prophets, there would be statements about someone who would come and some mysterious thing would happen. And, and from that, there would be great blessings offered to the world. 
And so in the book of Isaiah, writing 600 years before Christ, he has a lot of prophecy which makes sense in this context. But there was one portion that was mysterious to the people. It was the, product, it was the prediction of the life and death and resurrection of a suffering servant. And his suffering would somehow bless the whole world. Now, this is 600 years before Christ was born that Isaiah was talking about this. And I'm going to read it to you in a moment. But before I do, I want you to see this key understanding. Okay? Let's put it up on the screen. And get this, because this helps you understand everything we've said so far this morning. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. In other words, when you read Genesis through Malachi, 39 books of Old Testament scriptures, Hebrew scriptures, when you read those 39 books, okay, you see the New Testament concealed in there. Every once in a while it pops up like we're going to look at in just a second. And you say, oh my goodness, this is New Testament stuff, but it's hundreds of years before Christ was ever born. So, the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, but now here's the key. The Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. I hope you get this. This is just key to understand the Bible. Because if we don't understand this stuff, we don't understand this book. And here we are, many of us, reading the Bible through in the next two years. I want us to understand what's going on. That's why we're doing these four weeks of series that Brandon and I are teaching. Because it's so important that we understand it. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. It's there, but it, it isn't clearly stated. But it in the New Testament, man, you start understanding. This is why all that stuff happened in the Old Testament to get us to this point so God could bless the world. Now, I want to show you a portion of Scripture, Isaiah 53. It is so cool. Remember, 600 years before Jesus was born, here's what Isaiah said. He's, he's talking about this mysterious one that would come in the future. This is a prophecy. Okay? He says, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. In other words, be made right with God. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. And, and when people read that back in the Old Testament, they had to say, what, what do you mean him? I mean, we go to the temple every year and we offer our sacrifices of lambs and bulls and birds and other living creatures. We, we sacrifice them there. That's where our sin goes. And he's talking about a hymn here. A hymn who someday is going to be like a lamb that's slaughtered for the sinfulness of the people. They couldn't understand it. Because you see, that Old Testament was concealed. 
that New Testament truth was concealed in that Old Testament teaching. Let's go on. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. Remember, all this is written 600 years before Jesus was born. Okay? No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. In other words, he was killed in kind of like mid-age. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. In other words, he died for our sins. He had done no wrong, and he had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Now, now watch. He was killed, and he was put in a rich man's grave. But then the next statement is, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. It sounds like he came back to life. Okay. And because of his experience, my righteous servant, that's this mysterious one that's going to bless the world, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. That sure sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? 600 years before he was born, Isaiah was telling the people exactly what was going to happen. We call that a messianic prophecy. And messianic prophecies are all throughout the Old Testament because the Old Testament conceals the New Testament. So you, you have these tastes of, of, of this one who's going to come, of, of New Testament truths, but they're hidden in the Old Testament. A messianic prophecy is a foretelling of the coming Messiah, Jesus. It's seen in Genesis, it's seen in Exodus, it's seen in the Psalms, it's seen in the prophets, all throughout the Old Testament. Now we're just about through, but I want to just give you a couple more thoughts. Throughout the Hebrew Bible, that's what we call our Old Testament, God continually reminded the Jewish people that they were a divine means to a divine end which is what makes our lives meaningful. And I hope as we launch into this new year of 2020 that you and I understand our lives have eternal significance, meaning. Jesus Christ was raised up to be a blessing to the world. But you and I, once we come to know him as our Savior, we are raised up to be a blessing to our world, everyone that God brings into our lives. We are little Christs. I know some people don't like that, but that's what the word Christian means, little Christ-like ones. And we are to be people who are going out, reflecting his glory and showing his glory and bringing blessing to our world wherever God takes us, wherever God leads us, wherever God uses us. And that's the reason Brandon shared this statement last week with you. We were created on purpose with great purpose. So it didn't just end with Jesus when he went back to be with his father. Then he put on us this commission, this almost like a command, go into all the world. Just as I went into the world and did what my father called me to do, now you go and do the same thing. Only in such power of the Holy Spirit 
that I'll be with you wherever you go. And whatever you do in the power of the Holy Spirit, it won't fail. So cool. The Apostle Paul, who knew Jewish history very strongly, he summarizes today's teaching. Now look at this verse. This is so cool. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. And he's talking really about Old Testament, but now New Testament. But when the right time came, I get so tickled at us because we get so frustrated with God, don't we? Don't you wish he could do things better? I mean, more on time. I get so tired of his timing because it's not like mine, you know? Because we want things to happen here and we want them to do just this. And God says, hey, you know what? A day is like a thousand years to me. I'm not in as much a hurry as you are. And he said, I had, I had to get everything in the right place before I could reveal my son. So he created the heavens and the earth. See, we got all this Jewish story so that we can understand the New Testament story. Okay? So I had to create the heavens and the earth, and then I had to raise up a people, and I had to teach those people through good and bad times, and, and I had to let all kinds of truth be brought to them, and I had to tell them, kind of tickle their fancy with some prophecies about something's going to happen down the road, and, and I had to keep working with them. And, and then Paul says, and when the right time came. God says, now, everything is ready. Everything is in place for Jesus to be born. That's why Christmas is so important. Because <laughs> you see, that holy night was the right time. When the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman subject to the law. In other words, he was in a human form, temptable like we are. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And I will tell you, when you see what God was doing to prepare everything so he could send his son, and when you come to understand, oh my goodness, I've been in God's mind all the way, even before any of that ever started, the Bible tells us in Psalm 139. God had me in his mind all the way through the story so that he could bring his son to make a way to forgive Tom Allen of his sinfulness and you of your sinfulness. And all of a sudden, I start seeing the story and I say, oh, God, what a God you are. And I get to share in your plan. I get to share in your purpose. I get to share in your story. Oh, the Hebrew Scripture is the story of our God. If you'll note, go to the, the Hebrew Scripture, the Old Testament, is the story of our God who waded into our mess in order to write a story of redemption starting with a covenant with the Jews. 
The Old Testament is a story of you and me in God's mind all the way through. And then when the right time came, God sent his son. Well, the Gentile church, because of Jesus and his resurrection, and because they saw, man, this is all a story that's been working up even to today. Now I understand what Isaiah... See, the, the, the Old Testament was revealed in the... Oh, Jesus was that suffering servant 600 years ago that you know, everybody talked about. Oh. So the Gentile church adopted the Jewish Scripture as authentic Bible, and they called it the Old Covenant, which later was Latinized into our term, the Old Testament. Now, why is it called Old why is it called old? It's because Gentile Christians realized that God, through Christ, had done something brand new. Brand new. The old way is now done. There's a new way. So when you started reading Matthew a couple of weeks ago, that's the new way. It's all because of the resurrection. Through Christ, a new thing has been done, and God fulfilled his old covenant promises to his nation and to his people, and he's established a brand new covenant. A covenant is an unbreakable promise. A brand new covenant with the Jewish nation and all the nations of the world. And this was the covenant Jesus said would be instituted and guaranteed in his blood. By his death, his burial, his resurrection, Jesus made a new covenant with us. And now he says, not just to the Jews. See, that's Old Testament. That's Old Covenant. Now to the world. You will be my people, and I will be your God. And Paul and so many others of the apostles took that message and started sharing it all over the then known world to where in the book of Acts, it says at one point that they had turned the world upside down. We're going to see that next week as we finish this series, and we see the altogether importance of the New Testament. But now notice one thing carefully, and we're through. Up to the point of Paul and all those churches that he started and all those letters he wrote to them, 13 different letters, okay, there was no such thing as a B-I-B-L-E. See, we take this thing so much for granted because we got it all imitation leather bound. We got it all systematized and printed. Yeah. All there was back in those days was some documents that Matthew and Mark and Luke and John wrote and maybe many others wrote that didn't make it to the Bible. But there were a lot of these documents documenting what people saw and heard and experienced from Jesus and they were floating around the Mediterranean along with all of Paul's writings to all these churches floating around. But there was no Bible. It always amazes me. The Bible didn't come into being until the late 300s. 
We're going to see that next week. You got to understand that part of the story. You won't understand the story. But the thing is, it always amazes me. How did these people live for God and love God and see so many people come to know Christ as their Savior and, and turn the world upside down without the Bible? And in no way am I depreciating this. This is God's holy inspired word to us. And we need to hide this word in our hearts so we don't sin against him. And this word is like a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we want to know and obey the word of God. But I want you to know for hundreds of years, people loved and served and obeyed and witnessed and changed the world even without the Bible. So we got to ask, how did that happen? And Next week, we'll close the story off with that understanding. I hope you won't miss it because it's very important. Do you get the idea? If you don't understand the story of the Bible, then a lot of the stories in the Bible don't make any sense. Or they don't really matter. They're nice little tales we teach our children, and then the children grow up and forget about it and go off and do their own thing. We want to know what the Bible is all about. So as we're getting ready to start in Matthew to study through the Bible these next two years, and I hope it'll be so practical and so enjoyable and so fun and so exciting, but as we get ready to do that, we have to understand why do we even have this book that we're studying? Make sense? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you want the Bible to be for grown-ups, Thank you for all those teachers that taught me in Sunday school and so many of us in Sunday school. And thank you for my mom and my dad and the way they not only taught me but modeled you before me in so many ways. And I thank you for all of that. And I thank you for the B-I-B-L-E because that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. I thank you for it. But God, help us to really, truly understand what you were doing all the way from before creation to this very day and throughout eternity, what you have been doing to help us to understand your story for us. We love you. We thank you. And we yield now as we continue to learn your truth. Help us to be people who are so humbled by your kindness to us that we go out and live for you every day. We will give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're new or want to know more about our Simple Church family, you can visit us online at simple.church or by downloading our simple.church app.